15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Wait a minute. I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah, yeah wait, here it is. Dear Luke, have a great summer. P.S. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? <laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like something the J-Man would do. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your baby to let you sleep in? What? We could sleep in another half hour? Thanks, sweetheart. And you'll change yourself too? There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit geico.com for details. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we're happy to be here with you on this Wednesday evening after the Cubs take the finale with the San Francisco Giants, though they did drop the first two. So they lose two of three to the hot San Francisco Giants in San Francisco. They have an off day on Thursday, and then it is time to play some NL Central Baseball with the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals on the road, and that should inform a lot about how we feel about this division as we get to the trade deadline and into the stretch run here of the 2019 season. So we will take a look at those games. There's a lot of movement with this Cubs roster. Addison and Russell has been sent down to AAA. Cole Hamels nearing what seems to be an imminent return. Wilson Contreras back in the lineup on Wednesday. So we've got a lot to discuss, but I think, Brendan, there, there's only one place to start. I know all of you are thinking the exact same thing as me. It is the most pressing thing going on in the world of the Chicago Cubs. I really hope that John Lester feels better because he missed Wednesday's start with uh, a sickness, and I'm I'm concerned about it. I hope he got some chicken soup, maybe a nice blanket, a, a little movie or something, and that he's gonna gonna feel better here. And you know, John too is like 
probably dying if he can't pitch because you know he'll go on the mound and, and do anything but yeah just rest him up get him some Gatorade get all the get all the right Gatorade flavors get him going and he'll he'll be fine he'll be back out there next Saturday I envision John Lester more in the Ron Swanson vein when what, he you has... sipping on some whiskey out there? Yeah, what? there's that episode <laughs> of Parks and Recreation where I think the flu is going around and, yeah. and Amy Poehler, Leslie Nope is yelling at him to like actually drink water and he's sitting there drinking scotch from his desk. I, I imagine that that's how John Lester deals with any any sort of illness. He just uh, you know grabs a little hair of the dog and... and you know, just hopes for the best. But either way, I, I, I do hope John feels better. Chris Bryant also leaves Wednesday's game with a sore knee. He says he will be back in the lineup on Friday. No worse for wear and and not anything serious. Uh, I think Joe Madden confirmed the same thing on the radio after the game. So we'll be monitoring that, something to think about, and obviously hoping that that is indeed the case. But Obviously, Chris Bryant is one of the best players in baseball, as we have tried to remind you as often as we can. So hopefully it is indeed just a precautionary, take him out of the game thing, little sore, and he will be ready to go in St. Louis. So Brendan, let's uh, we'll do a, a quick recap here of these games as obviously the first two here were not that exciting, and ultimately we have a lot to talk about, so I don't want to spend too much time delving into these box scores or anything like that, but taking a look at these first couple games in San Francisco, the Cubs losing the first two games in this series by a score of five to four, which I thought was really weird because they lost or they won the first two games in that San Diego series six to five. So I don't know what it is with so many games in these last couple series finishing at the exact same score, but just a a little interesting tidbit there. On Monday, it was a tough one. This is a game that the Cubs looked like they were going to win, looked like it was going to be a nice win to start this road trip. The Cubs jumped out to an early 3 to nothing lead. The Giants would cut it to 3-2, to but the Cubs would get a big insurance run in the top of the eighth inning with Anthony Rizzo bringing home Chris Bryant on a double. That made it 4-2. to That duo, if you are not familiar, sometimes referred to as Brizzo. And when and business is good for the Brizzo Souvenir Company. It is good for the Chicago Cubs. But unfortunately, it was another lackluster outing from one Pedro Strope. Slander still not tolerated on the Cubs-related nope. podcast, but he does blow this game on Monday. The Giants putting up a three spot in the bottom of the eighth to take a five to four lead, and that would be all she wrote. Notes in this one Robel Garcia and Kyle Schwarber each hitting home runs. Number four for Robel, number 22 for Kyle Schwarber, and Robel went into McCovey Cove, a 450 foot home run. This was one of those that even if you are listening on the radio, as soon as you hear the sound off the bat, you, you let out that ooh, right? This was a tank that Robel hit, and I I think a good sort of quick example of why he has had the success he's had and why he was brought up in the first place, because he is capable of hitting some monster home runs and really getting the barrel on the ball. But again, the Cubs lose 5-4 to four on Monday. They also lose 5-4 to four on Tuesday. And I'm assuming, just going out on a limb here, that you guys do not want... I could do an inning-by-inning inning recap for all 13 innings of this game, but I... 
I do batter by batter. It's more fun that yeah, way. Yeah, doesn't doesn't seem like good radio or podcasting, whatever. You, I don't I don't think this counts as radio. Good audio. It's it's not good audio, but. Either way, uh, this was another back-and-forth affair. The Cubs got on the board early with a Chris Bryant single in the first. It was the Chris Bryant and Javi Baez show early in this one. Chris Bryant driving in Javi Baez twice in the first three innings. The Cubs had a 2-1 to lead in the third. The Giants would jump ahead 4-2 to in the bottom of the fourth. The Cubs would tie things up in the eighth inning on a Jason Hayward single, and we would go until the bottom of the 13th until Pablo Sandoval hit a walk-off home run off of Brad Brock. Robo, I really thought Garcia was going to catch this in left field. He was so close, but it was just a bit out of his reach. I think he would have had to jump a little more than he's humanly capable of, but I, I thought he was going to grab it. But either way, it gets out there, and the Giants win 5-4 to four in 13. The starter in this one was 1U Darvish. Pretty good outing. He gets bit by the home run ball, uh, but 6 innings, 6 hits, 4 earned runs, 1 walk, and 6 strikeouts. He only threw 77 pitches, and maybe we'll talk about this later, but just to jump in here, he looked really good again. He, he was spotting a 97-mile, 98-mile-an-hour fastball at times. Again, only the one walk, so the command was good. Got bit by some slugging, but altogether, I, I think this was another good start for you. He continues to look good on the whole here in this second half. And I did not read the starter on Monday's game, but that was Alec Mills. He goes four and a third, seven hits, two earned, one walk, and five Ks. So not a lot Pretty of length. Too. Yeah, not a lot of length there. Yeah. 76 pitches again, though. So a, a, a good start for him in a role where he's stepping into and, and just trying to give the Cubs anything here as they wait for Cole Hamels to get back there. So Alec Mills has done a very nice job in these couple opportunities and not something that you want to let go by the wayside. And then on Wednesday, it was a nice clean win for the Cubs, a pretty easygoing game there. And it started with Javi Baez, 25th home run of the year. Chris Bryant would add his 21st to make it 3 to nothing in the third. The Giants would get one in the bottom of the third, and then Albert Almora reaches double digits, his 10th home run of the year, hitting out of the eighth spot, folks. I'm just saying that's all I was asking for. Just don't hit him leadoff. Don't hit him fifth. Okay, just keep it. Let him hold on to that eighth spot for all I care. I'm totally fine with that. But he is in double digits now. Nice to see Al have a good day at the plate. I think obviously, while we point out the struggles there, we're we're all rooting for him. We want you know everybody on this team to be doing well, and especially with the kind of personnel is you want him to have success there. So nice to see him have a nice day out there. I'm sure that felt very good for him. And the key in this one, the Cubs winning four to one. That is all the offense in this game. The key in this one was the pitching staff. John Lester, as I mentioned, out scratched this morning with an illness, and Tyler Chatwood steps up. So this informs a little, if you were watching that game on Tuesday night and wondering, okay, it's the 13th inning. Why is Brock back out there? Why isn't Chatwood getting in here? We find out on Wednesday that it is because they knew Lester wasn't feeling well. They were hoping he would feel better on Wednesday, and he did not, so they kept Chatwood on the sidelines in case he needed to pitch on Wednesday. He did, and he goes four innings, allows just four hits, one earned, one walk, and five strikeouts. He did a nice job in a couple of these innings to work around some trouble, as he often has done, but that's a very nice spot emergency start for Chatwood, who only throws 68 pitches, and then an excellent job by this bullpen and I think for the most part, Brendan, save Steve Ciszek, who has pitched 
basically every game in the in this second half. He doesn't get in there on Wednesday, but this is sort of the order that you might want to see, at least to a degree. But I think this is a, a good representation of how you would like the Cubs to proceed in, in some of these games, again, without Steve Ciszek. But Kyle Ryan goes one and two-thirds, one walk, three strikeouts, no earned runs. Nobody allows any earned runs coming out of the bullpen. Rowan Wick goes a third of an inning, strikes a batter out. Pedro Strope, a nice, clean one inning of work. No hits, no runs, no walks. Brandon Kinsler gets the eighth inning duties today. He goes an inning, allows just one hit, and strikes a batter out. And then Craig Kimbrell comes on for his seventh save of the year. So this was a really nice effort by this pitching staff, starting with Chatwood, getting in there for a start that he did not know he was going to be getting uh, until maybe last night or so when Lester wasn't feeling well. And then the bullpen comes in and holds this Giants offense. So a really nice effort from this group and a good win to finish off what was not a good start to this series. I think you had two games on Monday and Tuesday where you really felt the Cubs should have won at least one of those games, if not both of them. And you salvage that, you get the off day on Thursday, and then you head into Milwaukee to take care of business in the NL Central. But any any general sentiments on this series here in San Fran, Brendan? Yeah, the last win, it's good to see. It doesn't change my perspective of this team. They have issues, Corey. The, the Albert Almora batting fifth should never happen, ever. And then to be pinched hit for by Daniel Descalso, Corey, not to relitigate all of this because it is two days old, but those those are the situations where you look back in late September and you try to pinpoint areas of improvement and you look back and these are the games where if you had the depth, you don't have to go out there and bat Albert Almora fifth, have Daniel Descalso pinch hit for him. And it sucks too because the other options on the bench at that time were David Bodie and Addison Russell. The, the, the depth is an issue, and they, I, they're going to address it, right? Like, we know at this point the Cubs are connected to Nicholas Castellanos. They've been connected to David Peralta. They're going to address the depth, but it just sucks to have gotten to this point where not only are we dealing with depth issues, but it seems as if Joe is trying so hard to fix his depth issues by getting guys going and kind of rolling the dice here by having someone like Al bat fifth or batting leadoff because he knows there's no one else. I got to try to do something here to get these guys going. And it's not fair to Joe. And ultimately, this is a front office personnel type issue that needs to be addressed. Again, it will be addressed. But my sentiment is they won. They lost a series in San Francisco. That's fine. But those games were easily winnable games. And it just sucks to have to lose in that fashion. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the, the kind of depth issues highlighted in this series, I feel like if you had a, a stronger back end of that lineup, you may be able to get more than four runs in one of those first two games. And though I, I, I will say, though, like it's it's not the best combination when, when you're dealing with some of these depth issues, because I think that a lot of the the struggles that the Cubs have had at times this season is is due to the roster construction. And again, you can go back to the offseason and, and talk about the Ricketts and how much money they were giving Theo and what he was able to do relative to what he wanted to do. I don't know. We may never get like the, the full picture on that, right? But there's certain things though, like Joe uses Strope in the seventh in the game on Wednesday. He was a few games late on that, right? And so I think that the the depth issue in this kind of rotating crop of the bullpen arms and stuff like that, it exacerbates some of the things that Joe doesn't do as well, which is he he gets kind of set in his ways with some of these players, as we've seen a lot. And you know, the the Strope thing I think is a good example where hopefully he's healthy and and I trust that Pedro will will get himself right as long as he is healthy and and be the guy that that he has been for several years now with the Cubs but kind of need Joe to figure that out a little sooner instead of just continuing to throw him out in that eighth inning and you know having him struggle in a game over the weekend against San Diego in a game here against San Francisco and we're all kind of looking around going like Joe use somebody else in the eighth inning man he's not right right now so you so it's all just to say that I, I think if we can make some adjustments and just strengthen the, this bottom portion of the roster, I think it, it makes everything better and you, you kind of are improving not only just the roster and the performance, but you're making the job of the manager easier and you are not giving him as many opportunities to make mistakes or or overmanage a little bit. So I, I think that obviously we've talked about that a lot and, and that's going to be important here in the coming days as we head to the trade deadline. But the the big move of of the week here, Brendan, and, and one that I, I think a lot of us have been uh, assuming was coming or at least anticipating to a degree is Wilson Contreras comes back and boy, does the lineup look better with Wilson Contreras in that five hole. And he he comes in, gets a hit today, nice solid single up the middle. And you just feel so much better about this lineup when you're going Rizzo, Contreras, Hayward, four through six. But the corresponding move is that one Addison Russell is optioned to AAA. Bye-bye. Right. Adios. Peace. And it, it what a weird situation this has developed into because I think again we we've we've we all know the timeline right he's suspended for domestic violence everybody has their side of whether they should have tendered him a contract and all that other stuff but here we are in the middle of the year we're we're already through that process the Cubs have made that decision and we're we're now dealing with this basically on a a baseball perspective and for the most part he has looked about the same as he always had. He's a below average hitter and he's generally good in the field with some blunders and some things that you're kind of rolling your eyes at. But this weekend with the base running stuff and then the quotes from Madden where he was very harsh on Russell about not defending him and not just writing it off as simple mistakes or things that happen, being pretty direct that this was on Russell and these were not mistakes that can continue and that this is stuff that they have addressed time and time again. As we discussed in the last episode, one of the harsher, I think, interviews or press conferences that Joe has given directed toward a particular player. But then Russell 
sort of acknowledges that there was more to it by voluntarily offering up that he misses the signs sometimes, which is not something that originally— how dumb can you be, Corey? How? Why would you voluntarily say that when you're already being criticized right. for something else? Right. And what even, is wrong with this guy? And even Jesse Rogers, when he tweeted this out, he, he wrote the tweet in a manner that was like, uh, so Russell just told us that there was more to this than we even knew. So that's interesting. <laughs> Thank like you, Addison. Yeah, just kind of throwing himself under the bus, which is always interesting. But with all of that, it it had gotten to an even weirder place because obviously bringing him back, Theo said many times, was a conditional second chance, if you will. Those are, are Theo's words, not mine. And you're kind of looking at the performance going, okay, like doesn't really seem like he's grabbing the ball and running here and like making the most of this where we're not really seeing much of a different player and I I just want to read this quote from Madden after he was sent down and this is from Wednesday today and Madden on Russell says quote with everything considered we thought it was best to get him some regular at bats hopefully clears his head up a little bit running the bases getting the signs the focus returning. Brendan, did I just read a quote about a major league baseball player making $4 million a year, or is that a quote about a 10-year-old? It's it's focus, ridiculous, Corey. Brendan. It's ridiculous. And again, it's been five freaking years. Five years, man. I, I'm losing my mind with this, Corey. I, I have just no can't believe that we're, we're, we're talking about remembering the signs, focus, this is a, a major league baseball team. This is four his job. $4 million. $4 million, Corey. You can't I, I'm, focus I'm on just the not, I'm just not sure what even to to make of that. And I think Again, if you're this looking— Again, is, this is in addition to, Corey. I just want to point this out because uh, Evan Altman wrote about this in 2016 when the Cubs were concerned about Russell's off-the-field behavior right. just in terms of his seriousness with baseball. He was supposedly uh, a consistent— uh, partier, whatever you want to call it, right? But they were concerned about this guy as a 21-year-old. So conditional second chance, he's been given like four like chances, dude. When there's that, there's that uh, at this point kind of famous video now from last summer where he was at the Bottle Blonde in downtown Chicago, <laughs> I think at 3 a.m. the night before they had a day game. And I mean, to be fair, Rizzo does the same thing too. But like Rizzo for, also plays at near MVP <laughs> level pretty much every year he's in the which league. Is what, which is what I'm saying. So but yeah, so I, I, Anthony I, I, Rizzo I, can do whatever he wants as long as I he's performing. But I, I think that it's it's just it's it's very frustrating because I, I think over and over I and and others have been saying that I believe that the top portion of this roster is good enough to get things done and and win this division and ultimately have a chance to succeed in the playoffs. And boy, is it unfair to some of these guys that you have someone who we need to talk about him being focused and and learning the signs correctly. Like Javi Baez is out there playing on a bum heel for the last month and a half, and he's still putting up big numbers, right? He just hit his 25th home run today. He, he's out there grinding every day, and we're talking to Addison Russell. Like, Addison, can we bother you to pay attention today? Come on, man. Like, I, I, that just doesn't make any sense. And But I mean, it's not like, here's the thing, though. Like, I don't know if it's a lack of effort, because that can be easily interpreted as such. I think he's just, like, dumb. Doesn't have the, the head guy, for it. The guy's dumb, Corey. Like, I think that's what it is. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm. I didn't mean to imply that it's necessarily a lack of effort, but it. it regardless, yeah. it's just not something that 
a, a team trying to contend for a championship is is really capable of of dealing with. Like you, you kind of have to be able to focus. You have to be able to learn the signs. This is stuff that you would put pressure on a kid playing travel baseball to be, be doing those little things. And to be dealing with that here is just not something that you really have the time for. And like we've said before, we, we get on Albert Almora. I've been on Al- Albert Almora a lot because his offense has just not been there. It's been one of the worst in the league in all of Major League Baseball over the last calendar year. But I, I keep making this distinction. Like Albert is not someone who has been a starter in this league for several years. The, this year and maybe last year, the first years that he's really even ever gotten regular, consistent playing time to any degree. Russell's been uh, an everyday player since 2015. Like, this is just not stuff that you can be talking about at this point, and especially for someone that you gave another chance to after a domestic violence suspension. It just has to be better than that. The, the, The overall product has to be better. And I think that it's telling that he is the one sent down, because if you're looking from a statistical standpoint, Brendan, I think he was the fourth candidate. I think he was the fourth from the bottom. If you were looking at just on-field performance, I think you'd be looking at Descalso, Almora, and Bodie before Russell, if you were just talking about their overall performance at the plate and in the field. But it, it seems pretty clear that the stuff that Russell was doing, you go back to that decision in Pittsburgh to throw home and the quotes where he and Madden obviously were not on the same page after that game the game on Saturday against the Padres and the base running mistakes. He had not started a game since those mistakes had happened. So I think pretty telling that that this is the first move that they make, even though from just an analytical standpoint, you could probably argue that other guys deserved it yeah, more. I mean, I think all four don't deserve playing time. It's You can argue which one deserves it the less, but I still don't think Almora should be with this team right now and it's a different conversation than what we're having with Russell just because I get the the counterpoint to that and you brought it up where Russell has had consistent playing time where Amora he's struggling but there are people out there who want to see him get a chance to fail and adjust on a consistent basis to some degree I can buy that but I think we're too late in the year in the end of July to do that right now Mm -hmm. that being said like Ian Happ keeps doing well in Iowa. I mean, I'm reading the tweet right now. He just drove in Jim Aducci. He keeps going off every single game. So I keep rattling my my brain with this. How do we preach production over talent, but Amor is still here? And I know we hit his 10th home run of the year. The power, he had that stretch in May where it looked pretty good. All of a sudden, just it, it went away. And I get, again, I get the point. I, I was attracted to that power surge too, but we're in late July. It's it's time to make these decisions, and I can't for the life of me figure out why Ian Happ is just not on this team right now. Are the adjustments not that believable? Do they want to see him to destroy Triple H to a greater extent right now? I don't I don't get it. And the thing with Happ too is you have the positional flexibility to go along with his offensive skill set. You can play second base. You can play uh, center field, left field, right field, some third base if he's needed. Like, am I losing my mind, Corey? I, I cannot understand the logic here. It's they, they Are they protecting Hap's career arc that much? What is going on? I'm not sure what to make of that. I think, obviously, as you're only has to be it. days now from the trade deadline, you never know what Theo has cooking up and, and whether moving these guys around would affect that. It's hard to say. But 
as we've said before, I would like to see him. He he's he's clearly turned a corner in terms of the adjustments that he was making. Are they going to stick? Will they play at the major league level? I don't know. We got to find out. But I, I think he's putting up the numbers you want to see, lowering that K rate, raising that walk rate, hitting home runs, driving guys in. And I, I think that you'd like to see that at the major league level. But it, it was a wild moment in, what was that game on Tuesday, where you have Elmora hitting in the five hole and they pinch hit him for Daniel Descalso. That's, I mean, and that, Corey, that can't happen. I, you're, you're, I, can't I mean, happen. I'm, I'm looking around when I was watching that in my living room going, whoa. And then, <laughs> like, this and then is, 15 This is quite later. the moment of, of Chicago Cubs baseball here. And I, man, like kind of telling about how Joe feels about Almora hitting against a righty here. But yeah, that was yeah, that that was a, a particularly wild moment. But I, I think it it's all sort of the the same point that we've been making for a little while here. You you have to figure out which direction you're going with some of these guys. You have to figure out how you envision the bottom of this roster looking because I do think that Almora can be a part of this team and hit eighth on occasion play good center field and and get reps when he can but I think right now you're just over you're over exerting some of these guys you're giving a few of these guys way more plate appearances than I think they're they're able to handle and that I think you would like to be doing in an ideal scenario so I think that obviously getting Wilson back jettisoning Russell to AAA is a good start but I think there's still some areas of this roster you have to figure out a way to improve over the next few weeks and oh, I'm not but, but here's the here's the thing the court he's cost his team six war point whatever it is point six war over the last year I he shouldn't be he shouldn't be starting man even if he's batting eight even if he's batting ninth like he's replacement he's replacement level Corey like yeah I I just meant that in 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 there exists a scenario where if Almora is the last guy on your bench I think you can be okay with that but obviously but not, with the way not it's, like it's constructed five games like he's no. doing right now yeah I I, 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 I agree with you there. I definitely agree doing. with you and I also think that I, I think oftentimes and you know Hap maybe isn't the best counter example to this because he's been down there for a while but I, I do think that sometimes obviously being sent down always sort of comes with a negative connotation but I, I do think that Almora may be someone who would really benefit from that because he would be able to play every day against both sides of pitchers and make certain adjustments to be a more productive hitter uh, we've seen him go through stretches where he has more success at the plate and I think that he could benefit from that and and end up being in a better position for it in in the long run. Again, he's another young guy where you don't have to write off some of these guys' entire careers just because they're struggling for periods. So I, I yeah, it, it's we've talked about this a lot. I'm sure you guys are totally sick uh, of hearing about this, but I, I do think that the San Francisco series was another one where you look and you say the depth is kind of clearly the problem here. Like Chris Bryant's driving in a lot of runs. Javi Baez is scoring and creating a lot of runs. You've got some of these guys hitting home runs. Garcia, who's been slugging since he came up. Hayward with another big hit in this series. And I think that, again, like the reason we keep talking about this is because I think that this roster is good enough to succeed, but it's it's very clear where, where the issues are. And again, we see some more bullpen struggles. They've obviously handed a ton of games away this year. So I, I think those are the the areas that need to be improved. And obviously, you've got an off day before six games with your division rivals. So perhaps we see some movement in, in the near future. Here. Obviously, somebody's going to have to get moved when Hamels comes back. I, I would think that that might be someone in, in the bullpen. But 
you just never know. So I think there's a lot to look at with this team right now. But as always, I, I we, we keep bringing it up because it hasn't changed. And you have to figure out a way to improve that depth. Theo's talked about it. Jed has talked about it. And until it happens, it, it's sort of going to be the same the same issue here for for uh, a little while until they're they're able to get that ironed out. But Brendan, I I wanted to talk about just just for a moment here to to acknowledge this because I think this was uh, a, a couple guys that we were not so fond of in the in the off season and and as this season started. But I, I do just want to give major props to Kyle Ryan and Brandon Kinsler in this bullpen because they have been really good in their particular roles and kind of piggybacking off of my point where you kind of need Joe to be a little quicker with someone like Strope when he's not right instead of just kind of forcing him out there in that same spot. We see Kinsler in the eighth inning of Wednesday's game and he just continues to be really good. He's got a 2.11 ERA on the season. Kyle Ryan is a 3.38 ERA on the season, and if you had told me that those would be two of the guys that I would be the most confident in in this bullpen, I would have called you crazy, absolutely crazy, but they have been really good, and in particular with Kinsler getting his 12th hold of the year in the eighth inning today ahead of Craig Kimbrell, he has really earned those opportunities. He he has absolutely earned the right to be one of the most trusted guys in this bullpen. He is conjuring up those double plays as if he is doing it telepathically in a lot of these games. And both of them just look like really strong options for this bullpen. Yeah. And I think with Ryan and Kinsler in particular, one reason Joe likes those two guys so much is they do have similar approaches where they're not going to walk many guys and they induce a ton of ground balls. I mean, Kinsler's walk rate right now is, what is it, 1.94. Actually, 1.9 after today's game. And he has a ground ball rate of 55% to go along with that. So he's he's not going to walk anyone. And the type of contact he gives up is going to be mostly on the ground. And we saw that come in play in Tuesday's game where he induced that double play. Same thing with Ryan, just from the left side. Walk rate almost under three, and his grounder rate's almost 60%. So when you have... Two pitchers who have very similar approaches, you can utilize them against lefties, against righties, and it comes out exactly how it, how we saw it with these uh, last few games here. But I think, in, in my mind, I, I I really appreciate what they've done, but when it comes down to late innings, eighth inning, and beyond, I, I still want to see some guys out there on the mound who are going to get more whiffs just because... You know how baseball works. It's you can get screwed with some of these weak contact that just fall for hits. So at the same time, yeah, I like seeing what Kinster's doing and Kyle Ryan getting more of an opportunity. But I think still their roles are best served not in the eighth inning. And right now with Strupp struggling, I'm not saying to remove uh Kinsler from that eighth inning as well, if that's what Joe wants to do. But I think it's a long-term solution. If a Kinsler's or eighth inning guy, I, I, I still don't necessarily know if that's the best way to go about this. You still want to have a guy out there who's going to limit the chances for base hits. And those types of pitchers tend to be guys who have similar repertoires as Pedro Strope, who has uh, whiff rates around 30%, one of the nastiest sliders in the game. And for Strope, I think it's just a matter of him getting healthy and staying in a consistent physical shape. I mean, he's been dealing with hamstring injuries for the past almost year now, 
and the velocity is down about one mile per hour from even this April, about one and a half miles per hour down from last season. And I think with Strope, you get him healthy, you get him right. He goes back in the eighth inning. You put Kinsler in that kind of fireman role where you need a ground ball. Same thing with Ryan. And the bullpen becomes very formidable. I, I, I don't think the recent struggles by Strope is changing my confidence in the bullpen. I know it's easy to change your confidence because of that. But even if Strope is throwing 93-94, okay, that should still be enough. He's still getting way above league average whiffs. And what we've seen recently in these few outings... I don't think it would continue if he continues to throw like this. Like, look, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but I still think Strope is best suited in a later leverage, higher leverage role than Kinsler as those two guys stand right now. Yeah, I think obviously that's where you would like things to end up. I think the whole point is just that when a guy is struggling, you'd like Joe to be a little quicker with saying, okay, let's get this figured out in a different spot and then hopefully get you back there when things are right yeah, rather no than just kind yeah. of pounding that into the ground. But I, I do think, as as with anything, I, I don't think that the bullpen is my primary concern that has not changed. If Strope isn't healthy, if there is some underlying issue there with some of these struggles and the velo, then obviously that changes things. But that doesn't seem to be the case, and maybe he's just working through uh, a bad stretch here. And he looked good in that Wednesday outing. He had a clean yeah. inning. He got out of it. So I still think, okay, if he's throwing 94, but he still has that wicked slider and he's still getting those whiffs, that should still be sufficient. Even if it's not in that eighth inning role and you give it to Cizek, that that's fine. Give him the sixth or seventh inning and mix and match with, with Kinsler if you have to. But I still don't think that's going to determine whether they go out there and get someone like Shane Green. I think the bullpen's fine as is, and you just got to get through August, September, and just get some of those starters back in the bullpen if they do make the playoffs. Yeah, and I and I think we've talked about this before, but the direction, I, look, the the bullpen, I think for pretty much any team is going to be a spot where you're, if, if you can get it, you're not going to turn down another arm, right? Sure, load them up and just give us as many options as you can possibly get. But I think, as we've discussed before, the direction that I would be going is looking at guys who you are not going to have to give up a lot for. I think that Shane Green is one of those guys who has a very pretty ERA. He's been getting saves for the Tigers. But are you really getting a dominant, elite-level reliever? I don't think so. And I think we've seen the Cubs go out and make a trade for someone like Aroldis Chapman before. You kind of remember when the Indians went out and got Andrew Miller in the level that he was performing at. And if they want to go that direction and they want to give up a lot for it, it isn't my first choice, but at least you're getting back an elite level lockdown type guy. I don't think that they should be playing in these waters of these overpriced deadline guys. Look at guys who aren't going to be as expensive. And I I think that even when we were playing the Giants in this series, you have kind of a good juxtaposition. I think that someone like Will Smith may end up in that pretty expensive territory. Somebody like Tony Watson, maybe a little bit less expensive. Now, Watson is, I believe, a reverse splits guy, or he has been this year. But just the difference between, okay, we can get a solid arm, add a little more depth, like you were saying, Brendan, maybe allow you to play with different roles with guys like Kinsler, Ryan, not necessarily ask them to pitch above their heads all the time. That's the direction that I would be going, not going for guys that are pricey because it's the deadline and they're who's available, but who aren't necessarily in that elite tier where you're guaranteeing like we're getting Kimbrel. 
this guy and we're just going to lock stuff down, no questions asked. I think unless you are doing something like that, I would not be playing in the the pricey end of this bullpen pool. Again, Brandon Morrow still throwing, still progressing. There's some level of optimism there. Do not hold your breath on it. But if they were able to be in a position where he can get in there even for one of every few games, something like that, pitch one or two games in a playoff series, something along those lines, you'd be looking at a, a, a very formidable back end of this bullpen really however Joe ultimately decided to unleash it. If you can get to a point where you have Kimbrell, Morrow, Strope, Ciszek, Kinsler, Ryan as that top core, I think I feel very comfortable about that group. But if they want to add not necessarily super expensive depth, I'm all for it. I think you take as many arms as you can, and I I have no beef doing that. I think Rowan Wick, someone who you've been asking about a lot, Brendan, has looked very good in in this San Francisco series. He's pumping gas. He's got nice breaking stuff. So I I think he's one of those guys, especially if you're not making a move imminently. We've still got about a week until the trade deadline here. Would like to see him keep getting out there and see if he can make a name for himself and stick. Again, right now, you don't necessarily need somebody to be that eighth inning, high leverage bridge to Kimbrell. You just need some guys in there so that you don't have to use Steve Ciszek every single day in the sixth or seventh inning or whatever it is. So I'd like to see Wick getting some more opportunities here. But again, the, the, the overall performance from this group on Wednesday was very, very encouraging. And they did a very nice job holding a the Giants to just one run here to preserve a four to one win. It would also be nice to get chat with some more outings as well. I think he only threw two innings in the month of July before he started that emergency start uh, for Lester. So there's been a lot of fans asking, okay, what's up with Chatwood? If we're not going to use him, like we're not going to use Del Scalso, then we're technically fielding a 23-man roster. And I, I get that sentiment. Like I'm on board with that too. I think Brad Brock, despite some of the whiff numbers and the strikeout numbers, the command sucks, guys. He has a walk rate that's almost seven batters per nine innings. That's unacceptable and completely it's ridiculous to even give him outings in any type of medium to high leverage situation. So at this point, I mean, personally as a fan, I I think I've seen enough of Brad Brock and Chatwood, the command does look better. There are times where he kind of reverts back, I think, but I would like to see uh, see Chatwood get more opportunities. I think out of the bullpen, we've seen him pump upwards in 98. We know he has good spin rate on most of his secondary pitches, as we've talked about in Cubs Insider. I don't know. I'm feeling more willing to give Chatwood some more chances in favor of Brad Brock. If it were up to me, I just would not have Brad Brock on, on the team here. But at some point, you do have to start readjusting some of these roles, even if it is in the fourth or fifth or sixth inning in medium lever situations. Those are very important too, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think Brock is one of those guys where ultimately you just get to a point where you're in July now and you can dig into the peripherals and all this other stuff. But the guy has an ERA that's over six. It and can't happen. Yeah. At some point, you just have to ask yourself. And and like, look, the, the, the pitch he makes to Sandoval isn't, isn't necessarily a bad pitch. Sandoval does a nice job to kind of golf that out the opposite way. But 
the the guy just hasn't been getting results. And this is kind of what I'm talking about when you're kind of asking guys like Ciszek to do so much. It puts Joe in a position where he's asking Strobe to do a lot, even when he doesn't look good. And it's it's the depth. You need to clean up that bottom so that some of these other guys can reliably take on some of these innings. And you're not always looking to that same crop of the top five or so guys to handle any close game. You really need some of these guys to step up. So I agree. Would like to see Rowan Wick get more of these opportunities. And especially now that Montgomery's not here, would like to see Chatwood getting in there more. I think it was a little confusing when you had two long men as to exactly how you were going to use them, how you were going to get them both playing time. Uh, especially when they're, you know, Chatwood was getting sometimes a spot start, but Alec Mills was coming up and taking that one before Monty was traded. So I think now that Chatwood is kind of that lone man here, I'd like to see him get some more opportunities. You see in games like Wednesday, again, why he was signed in the first place, why there was some intrigue and excitement when he was signed. He's got really good stuff. He can pump gas. He get, generates a ton of spin on his pitches. Uh, like Kinsler, at times, he seems to be able to break out his cell phone and dial up that double play ball with ease. And I think that we are clearly past the major issue that was going on last year. He still struggles with the command a little bit. You still see some of these non-competitive pitches, or he'll just hit a guy kind of out of nowhere with a pitch that's nowhere close to the plate. But in general, he definitely does not look like, oh man, like this is a total train wreck like he did in the beginning of the 2018 season. So I think we're past that, and and I agree with you. He has the stuff that can really play up in these short innings, and I think if there's something to be found in there, again, similar to these other guys, now's the time to do it before you're making these final decisions on what exactly you want to be doing and and how you want to be proceeding towards this trade. I don't think I've even given Alc Mills uh, um, as much consideration as he deserves. He made a few changes in the past month or so, uh, Brian Smith and Todd Johnson and others have talked about this. He's throwing more of a, a slower curveball, but Alec Mills kind of fits that same mold as you see from Kyle Ryan or from Brandon Kinsler. They don't walk many guys. I mean, looking at Alec Mills' number, even in AAA, his walk rate was under three. And then after uh, today's outing with the Cubs, his walk rate's 1.7, only in 10 innings, but you kind of see the appealing nature of his game, where he's going to be very sharp with his command, not going to walk that many guys, and try to get by with what he has, and I think he can do that successfully. So you, from from the front office's perspective, if they traded Montgomery, I do feel as if they had more confidence in someone like Alec Mill stepping up and contributing, not just this year, but in future years as well. I mean, he's going to be under team control for several more years in addition to this season as well. So good to see Alec Mills, good to see Kyle Ryan, good to see some of these young guys step up, including Rowan Wick, who, like you were saying, Corey, pumping 97-98, short delivery, a good breaking pitch, want to see more of these guys get opportunities. I'm done with Brad Brock, July 24th. I've seen him pitch since since March. I have no explanation for what's going on. I know the FIP is in the mid to high fours, but again, he's walking almost seven guys per game. Not only is the command an issue because of the walks, but the command's an issue because he's leaving pitches up over the middle of the plate as well. So that's contributing to that inflated ERA, especially in, in small sample sizes that relievers tend to have. No more Brad Brock. Give me more Alec Mills. Give me more Kyle Ryan. Give me more uh, uh, Rowan Wick. And let's see what, what we have here. 
Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your teenager to help around the house? Okay, Mom, I emptied the dishwasher, vacuumed the basement, and folded the sheets out of the dryer. Wait, what? Oh, and next, I'm going to clean Mitten's litter box. Are we in some kind of prank show or something? That's a camera, isn't it? There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details. Yeah, I agree. And I and I, 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 I do have a, a, a good bit of confidence in this group. Although, like I said, part of that does hinge on you. You need everything underlying with Pedro to be good there. Obviously, he's dealt with a couple hamstring injuries within the last, like, what, eight to 10 months. So, you know, you always wonder if everything's good there, but we we believe in Pedro here on the Cubs Related Podcast until we are given a reason otherwise. The the only thing I, I, I want to say too, before we get into talking about this upcoming series with the Brewers and, and getting ready here for these last few days before the trade deadline, we, we've, we've got uh, someone to add to the, the list, Brendan, of not friends of the Cubs related podcast. And that's not a list you want to be on. We added Yasiel Puig recently after he got into a spat with Pedro Strope. It's not a list you want to be on, but we're going to add umpire Jordan Baker to the list today on the Cubs related podcast. You may remember him from the John Lackey, Wilson Contreras fracas sounds like a good word to describe that. If you'll recall, John Lackey ejected Wilson Contreras, throwing his helmet down. He's ejected. Both of them looked like they were going to kill somebody, had to be restrained. (laughs) You may remember that situation from a a couple years ago. But Jordan Baker also today sends Anthony Rizzo packing. And when you looked at the replay, kind of looked like a pretty standard Rizzo called out on strikes, lets out probably a an expletive, some, some colorful language, but not directed at the umpire, not looking at the umpire, and really looked like he said a couple words, and he's rung up. And you're on the list, dude. I, I don't know what to tell you. You're can't not a happen. friend of the podcast. I, you, we can't be having you ringing up guys like this all the time. And Anthony, he's Rizzo, walking away from the umpire. Rizzo's his back is turned right. to Baker. Right. And, what was that? And Rizzo after the game was saying, like, I don't know what exactly was the magic word here, but given what I said, if I'm getting run for those words, I'd be kicked out of 90 games a year. I love how, uh, I, I don't know who it was, but the reporter followed up, what word was yeah. that? Rizzo, Rizzo's like, I don't know, 90% of my words uh, probably would have got me run up or something well, like that. Well, and that's, that I think, great. the point that Rizzo was making where he's like, look, I say what I said today all the time. So if I'm getting rung up for saying the F word or that sucks or whatever it is, right, about the zone, you're going to get kicked out all the time. So... I don't know, man. It's just one of those things. I understand that the the umpires have to maintain some level of respect, and no, you don't. There's want no to excuse for that, dude. There's no excuse for cursing that. Like, and all that. I, I understand that there's limits to all of this stuff, but when you go back and watch the replay, like Rizzo's not looking at him. He's not making a scene. He he's not throwing stuff violently all over the place and getting in the umpire's face. Like at the end of the day, everybody's here to watch these guys play. The Cubs have just lost two in this series, and and this was in like what the fifth inning. 
Like, you know, now you're losing yeah, a guy who's who's playing at a, at a really high level, one of the, the, the better hitters in the league, and the Cubs are just without him for the rest of the afternoon. And it really didn't look like that was a, a deserved situation for, for this. And, it, you know, obviously you, you try to reconcile that with that one video of Yadier Molina pushing the umpire out of the way. And you're just kind of trying to figure like, okay, like there seems to be a lot of double standards that go on with, with how these ejections take place. And we're, we're here to watch the guys play baseball, not to watch the umpires get offended because a guy said his zone was garbage or whatever right. Rizzo was doing, right? So look, like I said, Jordan Baker, you're on the list. I, I, I Technically, I make the rules, but it's a specific criteria. If you if you cross the line, we got to put you on the list. There's nothing I can do about it. we got to actually write this list down because I feel like we're getting uh, a few getting more lengthy. added names that I'm forgetting about here. Yeah. Um, but we should write this down. Anyway, okay, so let's preview this upcoming series against the Milwaukee Brewers. So the, car, uh, the Cubs will travel to Milwaukee for a three-game set, the first of which starts Friday night, uh, 7, 10 p.m. Central start time. Uh, Kyle Hendricks gets moved up. He'll be starting this game. He's seven and eight with three point four one ERA. He'll be facing Gio Gonzalez for the Brewers, who is two and one, a three point six ERA. Gio recently activated from the injured list on Saturday. They moved John Lester to Saturday, so he'll be starting this one nine and six with a three point eight seven ERA. Milwaukee has not announced a starter for this game, uh, at least according to MLB.com, as of Wednesday evening. Uh, that game again starts at 6, 10 p.m. Central. And then on Sunday, to finish off the three-game set, we have Jose Quintana on the mound, 8-7, and seven, with a 4.42 ERA. He'll be facing Zach Davies for Milwaukee, who's really hurt the Cubs recently, I feel like. And on the year, he's having a great year, an 8-3 and three record, a 3.17 ERA. That game starts at 1, 10 p.m. Central time. Uh, Milwaukee right now, they are 54 and 52 games back of the Cubs. St. Louis Cardinals are 53 and 47. They are one game back of the Cubs who stand at 55 and 47. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, they are working their ways out of the division, both of whom are 46 and 54, eight games back. So most likely not adding at the deadline. And the way the division is shaping up, it will be a three team race all the way to the end, I think. St. Louis and Milwaukee both have not been playing that well, but both have turned it on here in the last week or so. And the Cubs are just, you know, staying status quo. So an important series, I think what you're looking for, simply put, is clean baseball. It's a very important series. We have John Lester. Hopefully he comes back from his illness, looks good. And uh, hopefully we can see Q kind of have one of his uh, consistent quality starts. But again, you got to clean it up. Please, for the love of God, no Albert Amora leading off, no Albert Amora batting fifth. Let's go. Play the best nine. Play the, really, the best 25, even though we may not get it. And let's let's go. It's time. It'll be July 25th uh, for the first, or rather July 26th for the first game, five days away from the trade deadline when they start this series. We got it. We got to put the pedal down, Corey. It's time. Yeah, absolutely. So, these are the days that I think can kind of really inform how 
how the rest of the season goes and then how we're feeling about this division and, and how we're feeling about this this stretch run here because you play well here on the road you take care of business you win both of these series I think you're going to feel very good about the position that this team is in they'll be heading back home they'll obviously have picked up some games on both of these teams and I think you'll be ready to kick it into gear here and really create some distance on the other hand, if one or both of these series do not go well, well, then you're in an opposite position and you're kind of reaping what you sow for letting this division stay close for so long. So these are big series. This is where you kind of make your money here. And and I think that the Cubs have generally played well to start this second half. And I'm with you. I, I want to see the, the best lineups that we can put out there. I think that with the way that Garcia has played, I'd like to see him getting out there in a good bit of these games. And if you're going to have guys like Almora and, and even Bodie right now, if you're going to have them in the lineup, they got to be towards the bottom. But we, we, we got to see Wilson back there catching the majority of these games. Uh, Hayward continuing to doing do his thing. Schwarber, it's you know been an up and down year for Kyle, but I I, I think that the, the the best lineup features Schwarber, Baez, Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Hayward as as those top six guys in whatever order you want to put them, and then I think you you can go from there with however you want to structure the rest of the lineup. But I think those whoever it is has to be at the bottom. So. That's that's where I am, and and obviously I hope that John is is feeling better and and up for this start this weekend. Gets like you said, Brendan gets his fine. fluids, gets gets his electrolytes, and and gets himself back into shape. Want to see Hendricks uh, back out there? He's he's looked very good all year, so looking forward to that. And you know, Jose Quintana, I think, save for that one to start this year in that first series against the Brewers, has had good numbers against this Milwaukee Brewers team. They are not playing well. Uh, so you want to go in there and and take advantage. Again, this is really the time where you can assert yourselves like this division is close, but we are done letting it be this close. We're going to take care of business on the road, and then we're going to go back home, and we're going to rile off a bunch of wins and feel really good about things. But it's not not only is it a big time schedule wise because these are obviously the games where you are in direct competition with the the teams that matter to you right now, but throughout this stretch, you're going to see some moves, whether they are minor, major, to what degree, I don't know, but you're going to see some moves going on with this team because we are going to cross the trade deadline when we're in the middle of, of this road trip here. So, should be interesting. It, it It's going to be interesting to see what the Cubs do and, and if this roster looks different at all. I, I, I would love to, if we're going to make some changes, it would be nice to have some of those guys here for these games against the Brewers and Cardinals, but I, I'm content to give Theo all the time that he needs because I, I, I do believe he has some work to do, and as I normally do, I genuinely trust him to do it. So I, th- I think this roster might look a little bit different. We may have to bid farewell to some of these guys that, that have been part of this group for a few years like we did with Montgomery, and I'm prepared for it because, again, my, my ultimate sentiment with this, and, and I, I do want to make it clear here at the end, Brendan and I are hard on some of these guys, and we harp on some of these issues because we think that this team is good enough to win. And some of these issues don't always make a lot of sense to us, the the way that this roster has been constructed and how some of these things have been addressed in kind of a casual manner, kind of taking your time on some of these things. 
doesn't really line up with a lot of the language that we've heard, and it doesn't line up with the way this division has shaken out because it's very tight, and it's not just one team chasing you, and you'd like to see them kind of put their foot on the gas here. So we harp on this stuff. We've we've mentioned the bottom of the bullpen. We've mentioned the bottom of the lineup because that's where I think this team can realistically and, and practically improve. And I think that it would it would really change things for this group because when you have Chris Bryant performing at a level that at this point, he, he's almost getting, he's like not way outpacing, but he's he's running away from even his his best season. He, he's trying to not only put up better numbers, but he's trying to put up better numbers by a good distance in terms of some of these categories. Anthony Rizzo putting up a huge season. He's got his average up to 290 now, given where he was at the beginning of the year. Javi Baez, 25th home run. Wilson Contreras coming back today, continues to be one of the best hitting catchers in the league, certainly, and even just amongst all position players, he's been up near the top all year. Jason Hayward having that resurgent season. They they deserve a better output than to be this tight in, in this division and to be this bad on the road. This, this team is better than this. They have the talent to be better than this, and I'm ready to see that come to fruition. So I, I just wanted to point out that that's why we harp on this stuff. I know it sometimes gets exhausting to hear like, I'm sure you guys know, do, do Corey and Brendan like seeing Daniel Descalso on the roster? Not really. I think they've, I think we've made that pretty clear, right? But we harp on it because it, we we think that that's the area where we can see change. And, and we genuinely believe that that would be a, a valuable thing to do for this team and, and, and really allow this team to reach its full ceiling. So that's kind of why this is how it is. But we're near the trade deadline. So there's really only a maximum of a couple more episodes where we can kind of harp on this stuff because either they make changes and we talk about those or they don't and there's not really any more time for them to. So it just kind of is what it is. But either way, it's a big stretch here. So this is one of those where I, you know, I always kind of say, strap on your Cubs hat, get ready to root for the boys, take this off day on Thursday to regroup, take a breath. Uh, obviously, hopefully everybody got a, a you know, is able to catch up on some sleep after that game on Tuesday, staying up late in the first place for these games on the West Coast. And let's get, let's get ready to take care of these rivals here. Get, get ready to take care of business in Milwaukee and in boring, boring St. Louis. So I think other than that, that is all that we have for you. Good to talk to you guys as always. We thank you guys for listening. We thank you guys for the comments and feedback and questions and all that on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We appreciate it. We listen. If you guys ever have things that you like, you don't like, you're sick of, you want to hear more of, we're always open to hearing about that stuff. So just let us know and and we're always happy to at least converse about it. So we appreciate that. We appreciate you guys listening. We still see some of those five-star reviews coming in in the Apple Podcast Store. As always, reading them is extremely flattering and, and very nice of you guys to do. So we thank you guys for that. We thank you for your listenership, and we will talk to you after hopefully the Cubs have completed step one of, of, of this NL Central gauntlet here we're heading into by taking care of business at Miller Park. But as always, go Cubs. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. 
you, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.